You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, that was fun. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs. Steven Simcox. I'm joined as I typically am on Mondays by my pal Matt Jennings, and we're talking TCU football this episode brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. So Matt, next time you want to bulk up, go to BuiltBar.com. And TCU coming off a 33-23 win against Baylor that had no excitement and was never in doubt. Um, (laughs) I want to talk about some positives in this first segment. But first I wanted to address something and if Matt might disagree with me, I haven't told him about this, so we can hash it out if, if we disagree on it. But there's a sentiment on Twitter yesterday that was going around from TCU fans that we, like, couldn't be happy about that win yesterday. <laughs> and if we were happy about that win yesterday, that somehow we were affecting the program's expectations. And I just got to say, I mean, I there were issues yesterday. There definitely were. And we're going to get into that in the second segment. They TCU apparently did not want to throw the football and try to make a mistake, and that led to some problems. But let's let's just enjoy this dub, guys. I mean, I don't know how many more we're going to get. This is not a good football team. I think there's some potential for them to win some more games, but let's celebrate a little bit. Let's have some fun. I don't think Gary's at the house saying, oh, Kels, at Simcox Stevens says that was a good win yesterday, so let's not watch that tech film. Let's go out tonight, babe. <laughs> This pro, this this uh, this fan base thinks the Holiday Bowl is good enough. Um, I mean, I'm not a booster, so I don't really feel like I don't really feel like how happy I am about a win or a loss matters. But I mean, it's fine if you disagree with me. I want to hear your opinions. I just I think Matt, we can we can enjoy these wins because I'm not sure how many more we're gonna get. I know that's 100 percent correct. I think I I. Think... <laughs> I saw all over that sentiment yesterday, and it's it's just funny because here's the thing: like it is an if if you're a college football fan, it is an objectively good thing to win a game against uh, against one of your biggest rivals. Full stop. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just that's end end of sentence. End of sentiment. Like that's that's it. Now you can be super annoyed at at the way the game was managed. You can you can be uh, annoyed or uh, concerned or worried about uh, the overall direction of a program, um, which I think a lot of TCU fans are right now. That doesn't mean you can't be like you can't you know go onto every Baylor message board and say sucks to be you and and, and do all mm-hmm. the stuff you you normally want to do after after beating after beating Baylor, which TCU has done six times since joining the Big Twelve. So. Um, all that to say, um, yeah, no, I, I think it's totally fine to, um, I, th- I don't think they're mutually exclusive, exclusive. I think you can absolutely be excited about and celebrate a win and also be like, wow, like that was harder than it needed to be. And I'm still not sold on what this team is right now or, or what they're trying to do. And if, if you're not happy about yesterday, that's fine. That's a fine opinion to have. Don't turn off the podcast. Don't run and tweet you know Stephen disagrees with how much I celebrated yesterday no absolutely um, absolutely turn off the podcast and, and tweet we, about tweet about it. we love we love to have you here I just I'm having a little fun this afternoon this morning whenever you're listening but uh the frogs win and Matt 
it, it's so interesting. I, I want to get into Meacham in the next segment and just how I feel like I don't know if they're putting him in a box or if he has decided to be a boring person at times. <laughs> but you you sort of mentioned this, I think, after the Texas game to me. It's almost like the first 25 scripted plays, they have these amazing things happening and they're doing some creative things and they're taking chances and then they get out of that and you sort of get bogged down but I just wanted your thoughts on what was working early we saw Quentin Johnson get involved we saw Zach Evans get involved in the first half those are good things I feel like giving the ball to your most talented players is is a plus but they sort of jumped out on Baylor and the field position helped and the special teams play helped but Offensively, those were some some things we haven't seen all year long. No, for sure. For, you hit on what I think is one of the big key things, which is um, getting the ball to your best players, which is I know is a is a radical uh, concept, <laughs> a, a a novel one. But I, I think TCU is is pushing the envelope a little bit, and it's and it's coming and it's and it's working well for them in that regard of like get the ball to the good players. I think that's I think that's a good idea. Um, no, I, I think one thing that we've hammered home a lot these first uh, few weeks of the season was the need for um, this team to utilize a little bit of tempo. And they did that in the first half. And I liked that a lot. You saw that on the, on the, uh, on the long throw to Quentin Johnston down the side on it, which was a dime, by the way, mm-hmm. it was a great throw by Max Duggan and even better catch by Johnston. And then what happens, they immediately sprint up uh, down inside the 10 yard line and immediately hand the ball off to Darren Barlow and he runs in for a touchdown. They don't allow the defense to get set and they um, make sure that they're playing on their heels and it pays off for them. Right. And that's the, th- and that's the thing that I think has been missing from this offense a lot. So I, I think utilizing the tempo in that instance was really, really smart. I think you're right on the, on the, we saw this in 2014 and I noted at the time and I, and I didn't really know what to make of it. And now we're seeing it kind of emerge a little bit more as a pattern, but during Meacham's first stand at TCU, they jump out to like a 14 0 lead on everybody Mm-hmm. And then they kind of piddle around for like a quarter and a half trying to figure out what they wanted to do next. And like, they might score another touchdown or two during that time, but like it, they, they wouldn't have just like easy, just boom, 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 uh, three or uh, three or five plays immediately go down the field and score a touchdown kind of drives. They, that, that was something that would happen really early on in the game that wouldn't happen again until later. And I don't know if that's like they run through their script and then they don't know what to do or if teams adjust to what that week specific game plan is and it takes them a second to figure out how they want to adjust to the adjustment. I don't know. Um, so that's a little concerning, but it's not something that's anything new. Um, uh, you know, you'd be hoping that um, with, uh, with Jerick and the minds on the unit have enough, ideas in that room to kind of uh, avoid that. But I don't think that any of that takes away from the fact that, again, to your point, you open up a 30 um, you open up a 30 to nothing lead on, on Baylor to start the game. Everything's working for you. You get special teams play. The defense is playing great. Um, I think there were a lot of positives to take out of the first half. Um, we'll talk about the second half in a minute, but I think, um, I think they, f- we talked about how this team hasn't really had an identity on offense and it looked like they were, they were close to having one. Um, the question is whether or not they can sustain that for a game, but it, it was, it was refreshing to see that they knew what they wanted to do. It was good. And welcome to the party, Darius Davis. I mean, I really feel like in the first half they did everything 
that if you went into that game and said they were going to have to do this to win the football game, they had a special teams touchdown. The defense put the offense in good situations. They had a turnover. Um, and the offense played better than expected. Defensively, I don't, I don't know why Baylor the last few years has just really played right into TCU's hands, but thank you. I, I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate that you guys don't apparently watch much tape or just choose not to exploit what what the frogs don't do well. I, I mean I'm kind of being tongue in cheek, but I just think Matt, this is a team you see what works against the TCU defense. And it's basically you're gonna have to challenge them downfield and you're gonna have to win one on one matchups. And Baylor just plays and something's wrong with Charlie Brewer. I don't know what it is. I think his shoulder might be messed up and he might be healthy enough to play, but not healthy enough to be effective, but they just play within 10 yards a lot. And I think from the jump, you know, you saw D winters get in there and light somebody up. And then the very next play, they tried to run a little screen swing pass and um, Trayvon was all over that. Like he was like 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage I just think they they are licking their chops when they see this team because they know if they can do what they want to do, which is keep things in front of them and be aggressive, they're going to be successful. And Baylor made some plays in the second half and ended up scoring some points. But that was uh, that's about as dominant as you'll ever see for the first 30 minutes from, from the TCU defense. Yeah, I, I do think that comes with a little bit of a grain of salt because I think we knew how limited the Baylor offense had been to this point mm-hmm. in the season. And, 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 and to your point, I'm not sure it's so much of a choice on the downfield passing. I think it's, uh, I think it's more of a, of a lack of ability. I think Charlie Brewer, I think you're absolutely right. I think with the injuries he sustained over the course of his career, he may not be in a position where he can really do that as well anymore. And it shows and that sucks because he's been such a consistent and great player for them. And he's, um, you know, uh, he deserves all the respect and the accolade that he's gotten over the course of his career. But right now he's just, he's not playing um, up to the standard that he's kind of set for himself. And uh, he's limited in terms of what he can do. And TCU absolutely saw that on tape and, and keyed on it and took advantage of it. I think they, I don't remember just through the first three or the first four drives, but they had like 15 yards um, and an interception and no first downs and even through three quarters they had like 175 yards they obviously exploded there late in the game but yeah I mean the TCU defense I don't again I don't want to take too much away from this one because I think they were playing um they they had a major advantage in this matchup because Baylor's offense has just been a little bit of a mess this season but um that's what you're supposed to do when you when you when you get a mismatch you should be able to exploit it and TCU again for most of this game, they were able to exploit it. And so um, they were able to get some, they were able to get some pressure. They got five sacks in the game. Um, they weren't always able to do it just with four guys. They, they dialed up a lot of blitzes to make that happen, but the, the, the results were what they needed to be. So I think it was a good showing for them defensively. This game really was, uh, you know, you talk about like, they want this is exactly the way you would have drawn it up if you're saying this is why TCU needed needed to win. I'll take you a step further. This this game almost seemed like TCU fan fiction a little bit. Like everything mm-hmm. that fans have been clamoring for for the last few weeks in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback, um, getting Zach Evans involved in the game on offense, getting some of these young talented players. 
like Patrick Jenkins on defense, a defensive tackle got in and got some snaps and, and got some pressure. Um, just everything that you would have uh, said, I would love to see TCU do this. I would love to see them. Uh, they did. And, and so that was, re- again, at least for the first half, you know, two and a half quarters. Um, and so that was really cool to see. And I'm not sure if that's just because of the matchup that they had or if it's because the, the coaching staff making some adjustments. Um, but if they can kind of keep that rolling and, 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 and continue the momentum that they carried out of this, that they, that they created in this game, um, then, you know, maybe you do feel a little more helpful as the season goes on. So that was the good. And in the next segment, we'll get to the criticism from yesterday about the coaching staff and their philosophy and closing out that game. Fair criticism, by the way. And, and we'll address that next. But first, I want to talk to you about Built Bar. The improved Built Bar is even more delicious than ever. They have 18 amazing flavors. And six new ones, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake. I love that cookies and cream flavor, guys. Also, 12 original flavors. You can never go wrong with peanut butter, uh, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, coconut. You know, one of the things I love about Bill Bar is it fills you up. It's a nice snack, and it's not, um, it's not bad for you. It's 180 calories. It's only five grams of sugar, five net carbs. It's got a great flavor profile. Those are things that, like Gordon Ramsay says, if you watch uh, Hell's Kitchen, and I'm going to say it too because it's in the script, um, Built Bar has a promo code for you. Go to BuiltBar.com and use Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's BuiltBar.com. Use Locked On, 20% off your next order. Okay, we're back on Locked On Horn Frogs. Steven Simcox, Matt, my friend Matt Jennings is with me today. In this segment, we'll talk about uh, – some of the issues in closing out that game yesterday, or you're listening on a Monday, so this is a Saturday's game. TCU gets a victory 33-23 over Baylor. I do encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, whether you're on Apple, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcast. That way you can wake up in the morning. It's right there. You can download it and listen on your way to work or whenever you get a chance. And please rate and review me if you're on Apple Podcasts. Appreciate Matt being with me again today. And Matt, I have, uh, I've been thinking about this. I feel sort of like Colin Cowherd because I'm going to come at you with an analogy right now. Um, Do it. I, I have, I've been having this thought about Doug Meacham today. So I don't know how many people followed Doug Meacham before he got the TCU job again. Probably not a lot because he didn't tweet much. But his, his former Twitter, Avi, his former Twitter profile picture was him shirtless on the beach. It was a selfie. He had sunglasses on and a backwards hat. And it looked like, I'm not saying this is who Doug Meacham is. I don't know about his personal life. But it looked like the t- picture that like a divorced dad would use on Tinder if he created a profile. Like he just seemed like a sort of a wheels off, risk taker, a guy that you would go out with to the bar and he's 40 years old and you're sort of like, man, this is kind of sad that he's still at the bar at this age, (laughs) but he's a good time and you wanted to hang around him. He's probably going to buy you a few shots. And now Doug has changed his picture and it's just a very simple professional photo of him and a workout shirt and TCU shoot gear. He's, you know, directing the offense. And I feel like, that's what Jerry Kill is doing to Doug. I think he's <laughs> taken Doug under his wing. He's invited him to a Dave Ramsey class that he likes to attend. <laughs> he's got Doug uh, with a 401k. He told Doug not to invest in his stepson's mobile RV business. And 
I feel like it's hindering the TCU offense. I think what you want is you want Meech in his old pirate ways that he learned from his mentors, Hal Mummy and Mike Leach. And they've they've really domesticated him, Matt. And I'm I'm not happy about it. I think that was what we saw in the second half. I think I think you're right. I think I don't think it's just Jerry. I think it's Gary Patterson as well. But yeah, I, I do think they um they've managed to kind of uh uh you know like break Doug Meacham a little bit. Like like when you break uh, a wild horse and get it to and and, and get it to mm-hmm. just you know so it's domesticated and, and, it'll, and it'll follow your, your commands. And they've done that. And it's sad. It's a little sad to watch because Doug Meacham has never been a dude who's like, let's run the ball 40 times and throw the ball 20, which is what they did on Saturday. Um, he's never been a guy who's like, hey, let's, let's wait to snap the ball until it's inside of five seconds on the play clock, which is what is happening a lot of the time now. And he's never been a guy who's like, hey, you know what? Um, I, I really uh, – I'm out on a 30 point lead and I don't want to score more points. It's just very, very odd. Um, so I don't know what that comes from. I don't, I don't know if it's because I, I think I know, I think it's because Gary Patterson wants to preserve his defense and, and make it so they're not on the field for a bunch of snaps. Um, but let me throw something at you here. TCU in the last, uh, since the beginning of last season is six and two against FBS teams when they score 30 points or more. In the games when they don't score 30 points, they're 0-8. So I would humbly submit to you, that's a little bit of an oversimplification, but I would humbly submit to you that that might imply, maybe, that scoring more points is a good thing and can help you when your defense gives up points. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that sounds crazy to you, but uh, it would lead me to think that maybe the idea of like, oh, you get out to a little bit of a lead and now let's just sit on it. Um, maybe that's not the best strategy. Maybe. I don't know. Well, and here's the thing. I mean, there's a natural, your team starts to relax. I, like that's, I think, unavoidable, right? Like it's, it's hard to be intense for 60 minutes. And I understand you build a 30 point lead and things start to get a little looser and defensively. I mean, that's almost by design because the only way the team, other team's going to beat you is if they get big plays. So you start to say, okay, well, let's sit back. We'll allow them to get these plays in front of us and make them, you know, go on long drives. What I can't justify is what you're talking about. And Gary had a quote and I'm not, I'm not going to directly quote him because I can't remember what it was in the post game, but it was essentially like things sort of started to get away from us on the third quarter and we had to get back to running the football. Gary, you guys didn't pass the football in the second half. I mean, like I counted it up today. There were eight passes in the second half and at least four of them were screen passes. I mean, they were just running the ball and it, it's one thing to try to shorten the game but I feel like you have to come to an understanding of the staff. If, if we just score one more touchdown, this thing's probably over. Like after that long Barlow run, if they could have punched it in, Baylor probably lays down. Um, you know, when they were driving and it was fourth and one, and I liked going for it in that situation, 
I mean, hindsight, maybe they should just punt it. But I, I thought going for it was good. I didn't let the play call. But, you know, if you find a way to score there, maybe the game's over. And then, then what happens is all of a sudden your offense goes into neutral. And now, oh, shoot, this team's only down by 10. And they're fired up. And now we're trying to run pass plays again and move the sticks. And we're getting stopped. We're going three and out. And we're, you know, not being on the field for a long time. So they were able to get out of it because the good thing is they built such a big lead that Baylor basically had to be perfect to win that game, and they weren't. And I thought that last drive was impressive where they were able to run the ball and get first downs. But, Matt, I mean, I guess my question is, you come away from that game, and if they had played better, maybe you give them more of a benefit of the doubt, but has your mindset shifted at all on what you think this team is capable of, or do you feel like some things really came together in that first half and they were able to to hold on? Yeah, I, I think – I don't think anything has fundamentally changed about this team. I think what you saw in the first half, to your point, was one team was entirely locked in, laser-focused, playing with a ton of emotion, um, but playing, still playing under control. Um, and another team that just like was not ready to meet the emotion and the intensity that the other team was bringing, and they got hit in the mouth hard, and it took them a whole half to figure out how to respond. And that's what you saw. You saw TCU. This was a rivalry game. They came in. They and they had they had they had a bad taste in their mouth from the Oklahoma game. And they came out. And they want to make a statement. But you can't. To your point, you can't play. Certainly can't play a full season. And a lot. And on Saturdays, in Saturday's case, you can't play four quarters most of the time. Just running off of just adrenaline and emotion. At some point, it's going to come down to all right. You have to just like execute better than the other guy, even if you're not at the same height of intensity that you were when you were uh, at the very beginning of the game and you were jacked up because you were playing on a road on the road in a rivalry game and TCU did not know what to do in that scenario and part of that's because it's a young team um uh, so so I think that played into it a little bit but yeah in terms of your question about like does it change your perception of the team I, I think it changed my perception of the team a little bit in that it does show that um a long sustained period of strong offensive play is possible. Um, mm -hmm. But it doesn't, I don't think they changed my perception of like what their fundamental flaws are that we've been talking about for a few weeks, which is their offensive identity, which they still can't seem to agree on. Again, this is a team that um, is coached ostensibly on the offense by Doug Major and Son Company, who two air raid guys, and yet they ran the ball 40 times on Saturday, which is not a problem. If you want to run the ball and that you want that to be your identity, that's fine. Um, but you've got to be efficient with it and you've got to score when you do it. That's been TCU's problem is they're not scoring. Like when they get um, across the they cross midfield and in the scoring territory, they're failing to score touchdowns consistently. Um, you know, I, I'm, I think about Wisconsin and Utah a lot, which are two examples of teams that like one time of possession last year in a big way, they're like top 15, but they were, and, and TCU was as well. The difference between TCU and those other teams was that those teams were super efficient, right? You're playing fewer drives, but you're scoring 
on the vast majority of your drives and you're scoring touchdowns. That's, TC, that's something TCU's not doing. So that's the first thing. It's like, what's your offensive identity? If you want to be, if you want to be a running team, you want to, you want to do what Oklahoma did last year and, and, uh, and, and spread them out, but like still run the, run the ball vertically uh, between the tackles, go for it, go for it. Um, but you gotta be, you gotta, everybody's gotta be on the same page with that. So that hasn't changed. They still can't agree on what they want to do with tempo and what they want, what they want the bread and butter to be. And then they still can't pass protect super well. Max Duggan still got pressured a lot. It wasn't quite as bad, but it's still significant. Um, and then they still have trouble getting after the opposing quarterback um, with just four guys. They were able to manufacture it with blitzes a lot. Keon Stewart got a blitz. They brought D winners a couple times and they were able to get after Charlie Brewer and affect him in a big way and get five sacks. Um, but you got to be able at some point to drop seven or drop eight and still get pressure on the quarterback. Um, and that's not something they've been able to do consistently all season. It's not something they did on Saturday. So those are the things that like, once some of those things start to change, maybe my view of the team as a whole starts to shift a little bit. Um, I think they made small steps in some of those areas. Um, but I'm not positive, um, that those things are indicative of, large changes that are on the way you know what I mean I do yeah and I agree with you I feel like it was a fun win you did some things better now can you do it for four quarters instead of two and I, I mean that's a growing process too I think it, it it's almost unfair to say well that can be fixed in one week maybe you can continue to build off it as they move on uh, we talked about the good we talked about the bad we'll come back we actually got an audience question on Twitter so we'll address that and have some closing thoughts uh, before we leave. But before we do that, I want to tell you about Coors Light. What did you grab yesterday when Baylor started to make that comeback? I was uh, hanging out with my family. thought I was going to have a chill Halloween. I was like, man, this is perfect. Um, you know, they took care of business in the first half. I can go trick-or-treat with my kids, and I don't have to worry about the TCU football game. TCU decided otherwise. So what did I do when I need to chill? I grabbed a, a cold Coors Light. That's what I did. Um, Coors Light is made to chill. It's Rocky Mountain fresh. It's Rocky Mountain cold. It's cold brewed. It's cold lagered. And they want you to know that college football season, football, watching it, it it's your time to have that me time, you know, to just hang out. Um, so Coors Light's the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. And you can get Coors Light delivered straight to your door at getcoorslight.com. And don't worry, Mom, if you're veering off the road. I celebrate responsibly, like Coors Light asked me to. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Final segment here on Locked On Horn Frogs. Stephen Simcox, and thank you to Matt Jennings for uh, spending some time with me today. I appreciate it. You can follow him at Matt A. Jennings. He's a great follow on Twitter. If you're confused by his profile picture, I believe it's from The Mandalorian. So that is not him with Baby Yoda, but that is his Twitter profile if you were curious. Um, we got a question from Tommy on Twitter, and I really appreciate Tommy asking questions. You can follow the show at Locked On TCU. We'd love to have you there and give me your comments, your questions, your concerns. But he said, it was good to see a lot of the young guys get some action. Any idea why 44, 91, and 97 have not already been part of the rotation? So, Tommy, I believe you're talking about uh, Patrick Jenkins, who Matt mentioned earlier. Uh, 97 is Earl Barquette, who's from Louisiana. He's a redshirt freshman. And then 44 is Colt Ellison. So Jenkins and Barquette, I would think, Matt, that opportunity came because Corey Bethley did not play yesterday. And Gary Patterson said after the game, 
that uh, he's could be out for the season. So he's their active leader in starts. Uh, and why those guys haven't gotten in the rotation more, I couldn't tell you aside from Corey is someone they trust a lot. So I think you'll see more of them moving forward. Ellison's interesting. Um, you know, I, I thought he showed some things last year and they haven't used him as much, but it was good to see him back in the lineup. And yeah, I think as many of those defensive line as you can get quality snaps and mix in and out and the the better you're going to be Matt. yeah I agree I think as we said I was excited to see Patrick Jenkins out there he's a guy who I I was hoping maybe would get in there even as early as game one against Iowa State so I I think he's a he's a really talented guy and 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 just bring some size to that defensive uh, tackle position that they need um, they've had a little bit of trouble uh, against the run uh, this season and they would then they could use pa- and they could use pass rush from wherever they can get it and and he um, now admittedly uh, Charlie Brewer um, uh, I think Charlie Brewer made a completion on this play but I think uh, on the on the on the play where D winners came on the on the blitz and and and, and missed the, and missed the sack um, before that Patrick Jenkins actually Actually got to Brewer first and he wasn't able to finish the play but um, I think that's good uh, something good to see from the freshman um, Colt Ellison I think uh, made some nice plays last year and had gotten buried on the depth chart this year for for reasons that are not clear to me but if you can get him out there and 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 get some more, again just get any production in terms of the pass rush uh, it, can, it can be a good thing Earl, Bar- Earl Barquette was got some guy that landed Burdine on the on the TC radio broadcast was was shouting out uh, just in terms of like do uh, some great pass rush techniques, some, some great pass rush moves. He had a great swim move at one point during the game that helped him get a sack. So, um, yeah, I think on the whole, it wasn't just on the defensive line. You know, you have those guys. You had uh, Zach Evans again uh, on offense, him having finally a breakout game uh, at running back. Um, I think you've got a lot of young talent on this team. Savion Williams, uh, who's been returning, yeah. who's been returning kicks. I would love to see him get some snaps on offense. I'd love to see him to really see what he can do. Is he and Quentin Johnson um, were kind of, you know, the, the crown jewels of the class on offense this season, uh, this year in the 2020 class. And so I'd love to see him uh, get out there a little bit, just like Quentin Johnson has. So they've got a, to- a ton of young talent. I feel like they've been really hesitant to let some of those younger guys out there. Um, too early, but you're in a position where, you know, offensively you're looking for answers. Defensively, you, you need some playmakers. Let them get out there, take their lumps that they're all, that they're definitely going to take because they're young players, but let their athleticism and explosiveness um, increase your upside a little bit, um, which is something that you, you could, you know, getting some energy and some, some talent on athleticism out there um, is something that TCU could really use right now. And uh, I'm looking at the box score, and I was thinking about this today. Did I miss something? Did Miller not – was he hurt? Because he didn't get any carries yesterday. I just yeah. thought that was interesting. Yeah, this is uh, just the great thing about covering TCU in any capacity because Gary's just so forthcoming about <laughs> all uh, injuries and playing time. Um, yeah, Kendra Miller didn't get a snap yesterday. Was never addressed. Um, Corey Bethley, um, while we know he may be out, possibly for the rest of the season have no idea why don't have any idea what Noah Daniels and Wes Harris's injuries are that might keep them out for the rest of the season so that's just super fun that's just a great part of covering TCU mm-hmm. um yeah but you know he didn't play at all that's probably contributed to Zach Evans getting a lot of snaps I don't know what the situation will be with Miller going forward if he's going to miss any more time if he does how much it'll be but I think Zach Evans has established himself as um 
you know, I think your I think your best three running backs in the roster are some combination of Evans, Miller, and Barlow if they're all available. And um, you know, I think the more you can kind of pare down that rotation a little bit and let guys be on the field a little bit more and get into a rhythm, um, I think you're going to get some good results there from the running game. And you've got so much talent at that position, and your offensive line is better at run blocking than than they are at pass blocking. So give those guys some opportunities. A couple of housekeeping things before we go. Uh, TC plays Texas Tech this week. Was coming off a 62 to 28 loss to OU. Uh, Matt, I think Oklahoma was that Oklahoma State loss. I feel like the Sooners might be right back in the mix for a Big 12 title now, which is uh, interesting because we thought they were dead to rights two weeks ago. Yeah, they're sitting there. They've only they've got two conference losses. They're still yeah, hanging. They're, they're, they're still hanging around. Iowa State's. Um, uh, I don't know where Iowa State stand, uh, stand standing, but yeah, that, that means Kansas State um, is the only team left in the conference, I believe, that has no conference losses. So, um, yeah, they're they're absolutely in it. Um, that yeah, Oklahoma State was down to West Virginia on Saturday. So you're right. Yeah. No. So so now, yeah, it's it's a wide open race. If you've only got one or two conference losses at this point, um, you're absolutely in it. And um, I think it's really funny that that win over Oklahoma State is probably going to save Tom Herman's job. Um, that's just a fun thing to think about. Uh, a team, an, an Oklahoma State team that was probably a little overranked at number six um, is going to help uh, Tom Herman hang on that job for one more year. So kudos to him for getting into his postgame. Uh, Texas's postgame win expectancy in that game, according to uh, Bill Connolly at ESPN, was 3%. They won that game because they got like four turnovers and they still had to go to overtime and they got some lucky bounces and um, – yeah, you know, hook them. Good on you guys. Four more years. Tom Irwin for four more years. Let's do it. Uh, Jalen Rager scored a touchdown tonight. I'm watching Sunday Night Football, and he got his first career touchdown. The Eagles are trailing 9-7 as we record this to the Cowboys. But I'll try to have a report on how all the frogs did in the NFL tomorrow. Also, hoping this works out, but I'm still in talks with uh, the people at TCU Soccer. and looking like we're set to record something with Eric Bell on Tuesday. That's going to run on Wednesday. And they're going to play for a conference title on Friday against West Virginia. So big week for them. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining me today, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Steve. This is fun. All right. That'll do it for Locked on Horn Frogs. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Locked on Horn Frogs, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.